Hey, what's happening? I'm sorry about our hiatus. I uh, lost my computer again. Oh, you did? Oh, no. I did. I had, yeah, it's, I'm having the weirdest issues with it, but it's, it was a power thing with an, an iMac. Really? a brand new iMac. Yeah, and anyway... That one of the new Apple down. Apple ones? One of the brand new Apple iMacs, really? and I okay. had an issue with it right out of the box. Mm. But okay. it was, you know, it was a pandemic, so I forgave them. <laughs> All right? <laughs> I was very forgiving. It's <laughs> very kind of you. Jay, in our hiatus, I've been, uh, I was recommended uh, some other podcast based on listening to our podcast. Oh, Really? Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. So I found I found a couple fun ones. One that I think you like is uh, I think it's called Why. Hang on, Why We Hate Your Band or Your Favorite Band Sucks. That's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it already. Oh, yeah, I think it'd be something you dig. It's like a dirtier version of us. There's a lot of cursing, which is great. But I think yeah, they do Madonna at like two episodes on Madonna, a couple episodes on Billy Joel, and I'll never listen to Billy Joel the same. <laughs> So check them out. Okay. And then there's another one that I've really deep dive on. It's the 500 songs of rock and roll, or the 500 songs that made rock and roll. Oh, okay. And this guy's done this just incredible research, starting with you know like Lionel Hampton days and how that became rock and roll. But he did a really interesting thing about doo-wop, and I didn't realize that doo-wop was really started by the poorest people in America. Uh, because they could do it without instruments, they were they were cheap. They were so much poorer than other other musicians who could afford an instrument. That doo-wop was created, which I found to be really interesting. Wow! And in doo-wop, they take the same form and they just you know do it over and over again. That's even down to I think the Ink Spots were like the biggest doo-wop group, where a guy would step in and be like, "Hello, baby." There's that one. T-. He'd get the real low voice and the do, but it was a whole thing. And we see that referenced in the song we're talking about today. Totally. Which uh, John and maybe his most brilliant turn as a Beatle. I mean, I just become absolutely blown away with this song. Uh, Happiness is a warm gun. Yeah. Uh, American Rifleman is a is a title of a magazine that George Martin of all people has in the studio, and and there's a title. It's an article in the 1968. What, I'm not sure the month. American Rifleman, and it's about uh, going shooting or hunting with your dad. And the guy kind of says, "Happiness is a warm gun." How American is that? <laughs> John sees it and says, "Ah, oh, that'd be a great, um, a fantastic title for a song." Uh, he says, you know, a warm gun means you've shot something. <laughs> and uh, the irony in that is astounding. But yeah. let's let's uh, talk about happiness as a warm gun. Your opening thoughts on this one. Oh, wow. Well, you know, the first thing that struck me is that the Beatles actually like this song. Yeah. <laughs> it's like their favorite song on the White <laughs> Album. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, John's a huge fan. Uh, what does he say? Oh, I like that. One of my best. I love it. Um, Paul praised the lyrics as good poetry, um, probably Paul's favorite White Album song. So, um, you know, of course they love most of their songs, but we yeah. talk about several that we, we found several that they're not fans of. And so um, that was one of the things that I thought was funny. I'm like, oh, cool, they like and this I, one. And there's plenty yeah, to like. The, uh, there's a ton to like, right? And I think they, they found the love for it in trying to make it right. I mean, you hear all these, what I love is you hear all these myths about the Beatles during the White Album sessions where they were really just 
solo artist and the Beatles were their backing band. Mm-hmm. But that definitely wasn't the case on this song. They had to work out all these ridiculous time signatures that John had come up with, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the recording of it. But they, they had to get nose to nose again. And it's George's genius again, his knowledge of Indian music and the, and the different times in there that George kind of helps guide them through, like, ah, oh, we should do this, you know. And Ringo, man, there's some early uh, demos of this where Ringo's really holding it together with some funky beats. He kind of straightens it out in the final recording, but there, there's some really cool unreleased stuff that he did. And, of course, Paul with the bass does some cool things that kind of get buried on this one. But, man, it is, uh, it's a great one. Yeah, yeah, super Really cool. like this one. Uh, the writing of this one... Um, probably happens post-India or maybe in India. And it's kind of the form that I've got a feeling form, again, that John kind of sticks through. I think when he meets Yoko, this kind of you know A to D kind of easy little change comes. And it starts just with the, I need a fix because I'm going down. This is what you hear on the, the demo. You know, I need a fix because I'm going down, mm-hmm. down to the bits. that, And it has this really cool, Yoko, oh no, yes. That kind of happens. That got cut out. But that's really how the song starts. Um, and then <laughs> he, John gets together with his buddies. He gets together with Derek Taylor, who's kind of the press guy for, uh, for the Beatles. He's a very proper posh British fellow. Uh, but he lived in L.A. for a time. Uh, you have Neil Aspinall, who's been a friend of the Beatles since they were formed. Uh, you have Pete Shotton, who's John Lennon's best friend from the Liverpool days. They get together and they take acid, and like all these lines start coming to them, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Like, like the, the Velvet Hand story is yeah. an actual story. And in, in the Isle of Man, there was this guy who, <laughs> who came up to uh, Derek Taylor or Neil Aspinall, one of them, and he was like, I have this thing where I like to wear these velvet gloves. And rub their legs. And it's like, okay, well, that makes it into the song. <laughs> the, the lizard on a window pane is when, from when Derek Taylor lived in, uh, lived in Los Angeles. And, the, you know, it's a random thing. And a Manchester soccer game, there was a guy going around who had his boots and he would put mirrors on it so he could look up women's dresses. And they're like, that's in the song. The huh. shoplifter. The shoplifter. <laughs> That's his his hands working busy overtime. He had like fake arms, <laughs> and he would use his real hand through the trench coat to steal stuff. All this great imagery makes it into this part. So, <laughs> and they so that becomes the first part of the song in the writing, which had to be fun. Hey, let's take an acid trip and write these great lines in the song. Uh, Mother Superior is what John would refer to Yoko as, and Jumping the Gun uh, could be referred to as probably because John was taking uh, heroin at the time. Might have been a little premature, and I think a lot of the song borders that drug and sex uh, imagery all throughout the song, obviously. The Velvet Hand, the Lizard, you know. (laughs) And the Jump the Gun part, I think, is great. So they get this together, and then he decides the happiness is a warm gun. It's, it, there was kind of a doo part originally on the end of I'm So Tired, and he takes that part and puts it to the happiness is a warm gun, the doo part, which is just freaking amazing. Yeah. Um, and when you think of it as, and I didn't, I never really, I always considered this a drug song, probably from when I was a little kid, but as I found out, this is a history of rock and roll, told through three different people's eyes. And again, this is brilliant stuff here. 
you have the opening part, which is kind of folksy. She's not a girl. That can kind of be like the little folksy part of music. And I think they referred to that as the uh, the sex addict or something. There's there's three references here, and I don't think I wrote them down. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, the, the next part is the mother superior part, which is kind of the heavier rock part uh, that kind of is like your 50s, early 60s rock and roll. And then the doo part is a whole nother character. That's the gunman or the rifleman, as they call him. And, uh, oh, it's the drug addict, the sex fiend, and the rifleman are the three characters in this song, right? This is good stuff. Yeah. Come on, John Lennon yeah. on the next level. Uh, and so that, that we have this brilliant song. They go into the studio to record it. And that's why I turn it over to your expertise, my friend. What, who was playing what? Who was doing what? Let's just start there. <laughs> um, so they, they started on September 23rd of 68, 45 takes. For, which is... You consider that's probably how many takes they did for the Please Please Me album? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for the for, entire for, album, for, they do for, that for this song? Totally. <laughs> and then uh, came back to it the next day and did 25 more. So there's 70 yeah. takes of this song. Um, they decide that take 53 from uh, day two is the best, but um, they like the end of take 65, and so they splice them together, and that splice happens at a minute 34 in. Love that, Jay. Um, yeah, let's see. So John, lead vocal, backing backing vocals, lead guitar. Where and when exactly, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. that, that solo sounds like it's him, the down you know. Yeah. Um, that sounds like John, but as we, or at least as I've discovered through studying George, he's pretty good at imitating Paul and John. So it could be him. I, you know, I don't know. Um, George is on guitar, backing vocals. Paul's on bass, backing vocals. Ringo on drums. Overdubs a snare and a hi-hat at some point. Tambourine. And there's a tuba in there. Right, which gets buried in the mix. Right, that's what yeah. I'm hearing. Yeah, so I, I listened... I, 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 I listened to uh, the new, uh, the 2018 mix today to, to yeah. try to find it. And I, I, it, it might be in the um, I need a fix part. Because there, it sounds like there may be two different lines going on in, in the low end. You've got Paul and oh my God, what an amazing mix that is. Like I listened that to that in the two, 2009 mix. And I, I mean, it, it's, it's. It's it's crazy how much better yeah. it is. I mean, there's just like this depth there in the 2018 mix. So if you haven't gotten that, I highly recommend um, picking up these new remixes that Giles Martin is doing because they are, are astoundingly good, amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's a tuba. As a as a former tuba player, I was I was, <laughs> I was quite uh, I was quite enamored with that. <laughs> So I have a mix. I got this from the Ricker, one of those like, you know, you know, one of those ta- those CDs that he'd give you back in the day that has like a thousand different Beatles songs on there. And there's like a t- 2004 mix or something. Maybe it's 98 mix. And you can hear the keyboard on the intro. Oh, okay. Like very, very well. I have to send it to you. It's a, it's got to be out there somewhere. But it it 
it's almost like strawberry fieldsy in the beginning. It's kind of that organy sound. Really? And okay. it really adds to it. It's really cool. And maybe you'll be able to hear the tuba on that version. I'll, I'll send it over to you today. <laughs> cool. Not you, not you listeners. You guys don't get that. That's just something that Jay and I <laughs> will share between each other. So John definitely on the casino. Yeah, yeah. And we're assuming he plays the opening finger-picked part, right? Well, there's, I mean, there's a couple. Two, those two parts happening. Yeah. But I would assume that John is probably playing the part you hear kind of out front. Yeah, right? the Travis. Yeah, I mean, he's it's way into the Travis, Travis stuff. Casino. Yeah. yeah. What is George on? George is, I, I, you know, I read a lot that it's the telly. Yeah. Because I've seen point. you play telly on it sometimes. I've seen you play Les Paul on it maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and that's mostly because... I have to, be, I mean, to play that solo, you have, you have to, to bend, bend so that. far, and I have light strings on those too. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, who knows what George is playing? I read the, I read Telecaster a lot, but I mean, it's so, it's such a cool tone, and it's, I mean, it could be anything. Yeah, that he has. Pa- and those little, those signature little McCartney things, he those, and not so signature even at this point in the Beatles, but definitely in those like Wings career that do 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 that he does all throughout the song. It's hot. Yeah. George Martin on vacation hands the reins to Chris Thomas on this one as producer. I just read that that he was like, "You produce this one." So George Martin not oh, okay. here for that, which might be the reason there's so many takes. Because there are these time changes that happen, and are do you have them in front of you, Jay? Somewhere, all the different time changes they go through. Because I can get it in the uh, book here. Because it's got ridiculous. I've four, four, two, four, five, four, three, eight, nine, eight, ten, eight, twelve, eight. It's insane, right? Yeah. It, and at one point, Ringo's in four, four, but the band is in twelve, eight, which is very Led Zeppelin-y, but that's that's pretty cool. It's a bear. We'll talk about playing it live. <laughs> But they, this was recorded, uh, the song they recorded before this was Piggies. Uh, the one they did right after was Honey Pie. I don't know if that matters to anybody out there. This was not released as a single, which I think might be a huge mistake. This could have been a huge Beatles hit. I mean, It was banned, really, wasn't it? It was banned. It was banned by the BBC and even the, because of the sexual references and, of course, the drug references. Yeah. Uh, Rolling Stone. Put it, put it pretty high up, uh, number 24 on their list of 100, in between Here, There, and Everywhere and the Abbey Road Medley, which is pretty high company and, and is good. So my question for you today, Jay, is there a more complicated Beatles song? Um, you don't hear, you don't, I mean, there are covers of this song. You don't see many people play it live. I mean, all these time changes. I'm trying to think of a song that would be more, that's more difficult to pull off live. Maybe... Everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey, but I, I don't know. This is just so funky with those little... Yeah, I mean, it, it, no, that's, that's, that's a good take. I mean, it, it doesn't get... I mean, they don't have another song that, that has this many time signatures in it. You know, we talked, I think we talked about in Hey Bulldog about how Yoko called John out about them using the same, you know, for... <laughs> <laughs> you know, backbeat thing. Well, John, yeah. John well. obviously took that to heart, um, <laughs> which I think is great. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky. It's amazing what they're able to do when they um, when they really work on something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think because I don't I don't know. I never thought of it. I know that it's hard to play. I know that when we were kids uh, trying to play it, this would be one we'd skip. 
Sure. Because we couldn't get the parts right. You couldn't get the, it's like, I don't know this. Well, who, and, you know. and I mean, as a young musician, like playing in 9-8, I mean, I mean okay, I don't know. I'll, let me rephrase. As, a mus- yeah. as an old musician playing in 9-8. <laughs> as any musician. <laughs> I mean, yeah, unless you're a jazz cat, that's not so normal. We would, yeah, yeah, so we would skip it when we were kids. I mean, and when, when we started learning this as a band, this was in our, I was going to get into this in our playing it live, but I mean, this was in our original, like, 50 that we learned. And I can still hear Tom Rowling counting the dun 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 And so in my head, I don't even count anymore. I just hear Tom Rowling clicking it that day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, nice. But shit, that's because I couldn't count my way through that. No. It's beyond me. I mean, and I don't know. This wouldn't be one I'd say, you know, you should play this one with a symphony. You, oh, it'd be cool. Nobody though. will get nobody. It would be cool, but nobody get lost in that part. Could you just hear them <laughs> counting it? Oh shit! I'd love damn, to. Damn, damn, <laughs> like the conductor break his arms. <laughs> it'd be cool. Or her arms. I didn't cuss there. That was a musical term. Fucking, fucking, bum, bum, bum. Sounded it like a, a West Side Story there. This is the West Side Story of Beatles songs. God's sake. <laughs> hey, Bernstein right. would be cool to watch conduct this. This would be R. cool. R. All right, I now I now have a good idea. This <laughs> one's going in a symphony show. <laughs> Let's take a deep dive, Jay. There's a lot of layers on uh, this onion. Uh, I'll start. I'm sure this is on your list, but I, I ne- <laughs> there's a blatant mistake left on this song Ooh. that I've always heard, uh, and it was... Initially, John did the, I need a fix because I'm going down. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He did that both times, and they decided they wanted it wiped, and it wasn't fully wiped. So you can definitely hear John go, uh, yeah. it's, he's still like singing his way through it. Um, yeah, that's cool. I love cool. it when there are Beatle mistakes on I there. do too. Yeah, it's cool. What do you got for me, buddy? Um, I know you have some deep so, stuff. So <sighs> allegedly, Paul... Is playing with some tremolo on his bass, but I really? couldn't hear it. Uh, and yeah, so I need to go back and 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 uh, hear this again. But uh, I'm gonna I'll send you that that '94 remix that I have, or whatever the Ricker yeah. remix we'll call it. You can hear a tremoloed guitar in there. Really? Okay. All right. Yeah, so yeah, uh, so, so, it so could be the bass, and I'm misreading it. Supposedly Paul's got a little tremolo, which you know I think is cool. Um, yeah, so, you know, the time changes, uh, a, a, excuse my Greek, a shit ton of takes, 70 takes. <laughs> that's crazy. For the Beatles, that's... I mean, that's that was kind of, that was kind of what they did at this point, you know? They just, they right. got in the studio and just, you know, the engineer Jammed. hit record and yeah, they, they put a lot of stuff down. Um, I didn't listen, I didn't have a chance to listen to like the, the Escher demos and all that stuff this morning. So, um, but yeah, so it's cool. It's cool that they've documented how this song progressed, you know, and, and what John did with, with editing in, I'm so tired and all that sort of stuff. I think it's cool. You know, I read, um, I read a little ahead in our revolution in the head book. I mean, and these guys are not this guy. This guy, Ian McDonald, is mm-hmm. not easy on the Beatles at all. I mean, it's like they don't amaze him, mm, which mm-hmm. is fine. And and um, I don't know. I mean, I think this is one of the songs that he digs. You can tell he like wrote a little extra about it. It's a great rocking song. And John is 
like unknowingly bouncing his way through these little genres that Paul copies. I mean, we discussed when we just talked about "You Never Give Me Your Money." That's a that's like a history of the Beatles song, and this is John's history of rock and roll. It's a. I mean, I just love that so much. I yeah. think that's next level badassery. <laughs> and it's like, listen here, Ian, give them a break, all right? Um, we, you mentioned before this song was banned on the BBC for its sex and uh, drug references, which John de- John denied that it was about heroin. Mm-hmm. It's kind of documented that he was on heroin at the time. Um not solely about that. I mean, the beauty of John is he can be taking a bevy of drugs and it can influence it in different ways. As we see that LSD influences the first verse, uh, Yoko influences the second, but that doo-woppy, if that's heroin, then well done, John. <laughs> not to encourage your drug use, but well done, sir. God, I, I've talked about this before, but is anybody better at taking quote-unquote mundane, everyday things in life and and creating incredible art from it than John Lennon. I mean, here's a happiness is a warm gun in your hands, which is a play on happiness is a warm puppy from the peanuts. Let me me scratch that off of there. (laughs) (laughs) And and he, you know, I I mean, he writes songs about, you know, cornflakes and it's good morning, good morning. I mean, takes a poster, makes one of the most beautiful. Here's, here's something I learned today that that I didn't know as I was deep diving. When the Beatles were happening, most people assumed that Paul did the music and John wrote the lyrics. I had no idea that that was the case. Yeah, yeah. And we know that that is not the case at all. I mean, they wrote their own songs, you know, they would help each other in little ways. But when you think of what John did musically on this song, I mean, Paul gets all the credit for being the music guy, but I'm telling you, I don't think there's a more complicated. I Am the Walrus would be the next most complicated song I could think of to try to play, pull off live, pull off in a studio. And John just, man, his stock goes up with me every time we do a song. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know? Pretty amazing. Uh, uh, let's see, what else? I had a couple of the... I read this, I don't know if it's true. Somebody said the doo-wop section is just this boy in a different key. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which again, I think if he's unknowingly doing that, one of the other things I'm in this history of rock and roll, which the guy says, the only way you can help other people is by recommending it to other people. So I recommend this to music fans out there. But like the initial style of, of R&B and blues and doo-wop was you took the same, and early country, you took the same form of a song and just changed it a little bit, and that's how you rewrote a song. That's why we have like 30 or 40 rock songs that sound exactly the same. It's just who would do it the best, right? Like James Brown did it the best. Little Richard did it the best. Chuck Berry did it probably better than anybody. But the Beatles are the like England's answer to that, right? So they got all this music because they listened to it. And the Beatles were able to take it and just throw it out to you. And mm, good stuff, Jay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Beatles, yeah, the Beatles took that, you know, early rock and roll template chord progressions and they refused to just copy it. They made it their own by doing some weird little thing that at the time sounded revolutionary, obviously, and because the way it grabbed everybody. Um, But yeah. And so then, I mean, that's why, that's why we're talking about them. What is it? You know, like Elvis's, Elvis's magic was being able to take someone else's song Like, that's all right, Mama. That's a cover, right? Uh, 
Hound Dog. These are covers of old blues songs. But what Elvis was able to do was add his special little something, right? And the Beatles, like, they just wrote their song and then added that special little something. And so it just ups the game even more. So this is one of those highlights for me, Jay. This song, I always just kind of discredit it as a drugged out song. I don't know why. Just from being a little kid, it was my initial impression. And, sure. You know, yeah. I, I loved Rocky Raccoon, but man, as an adult, this one is a badass song. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about playing it live. Oh, it's fun to play live. Oh, man. This is one that we woodshedded for, like, again, because I still hear Tom doing the da da da. Oh, in my head, though, it's Ryan McGuig and Jump the Gun. <laughs> Ryan McGuig and Jump the Gun. Ryan McGuig and Jump the Gun. That's what I'm counting in my head. <laughs> Ryan McGuig and Jumps the Gun. D4. Uh, happiness. I have so many great memories of playing this song, and I have we have are documented. We played it like every night in Waterbury. Remember that? It was like one of the few songs because oh, yeah. uh, Matthew would do a, a throat scratcher, and then Tui would do a throat scratcher, and this was his throat scratcher, and then I would do Oh Darling. So we were doing it like every night. And you can still hear on our Waterbury recordings that we'd mess up in the same, you know, there were just parts on the, the Ryan McGuig and jump the gun. I would throw it off or Matthew would. Never you, though. You were tearing it up. But oh, then I have I've a made recording. plenty of mistakes of this one, but man, it's fun. It's a tough one. But yeah. then I heard us do it again uh, in this 2017 recordings. And musically, man, it is so hot. Mm. Just to hear how much better that you and Matthew and I got playing it and having Tara in there and uh, Rich counting his way through, you know, looking at his shoes, counting his way through it. But you can still hear the Ryan McGuig jump the gun. <laughs> Ryan. Oh my my brother Ryan, like I said, we can't count, right? We never learn how to count this song. So uh, well, again, my brother Ryan's a like 9-8. Mother Superior, you jump the gun. Yeah, man, this is tight. And when you've had a couple cocktails, you ain't counting through anything. Oh. <laughs> You're lucky to see 4-4, four, four, much less count 9-8. <laughs> Shit, I didn't even know it was in time. Just so many great memories. I mean, and this is one that if it gets <laughs> if it gets request, we're typically doing it because I don't think there's a lot of people that play this one live because of its difficulty. Yeah. High degree of difficulty on this song. So oh, it's so much fun to do though. Yeah. God, it's a great one. All right. We've come to that time, my friends. We peeled back all the layers of the onion on this beautiful song. It's now time to rate it. And as always, I defer to you, my friend. <laughs> I'm going eight nine. Eight nine. All right, talk to me about why. Um, you know, it, it's it is an incredible piece of art. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying not to, you know, just be a fair weather rose colored glasses Beetle fan and just give them all nine eights. <laughs> so you know, my my post COVID. Not well. We're still in COVID. What are we talking about? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it's uh, yeah. So eight nine. That's that's low. Okay, I'm gonna go. <laughs> it feels low, and you but know it... that I'm typically the low guy on this one. I'm going nine eight, as right you said on. on this one. This is. Mm, I mean, we've talked a lot about John on this one. Like Revolution is just a great song. Uh, he is a badass, and this this is really maybe one of his really last 
really great Beatles songs. Um, Cause you know, he kind of, he wanes off in the, in their latter years. His contributions aren't as great as they were early. And especially on this song, this is, and, and mm-hmm. I, I'm curious as to why this one isn't in love. Um, this one is in uh, the the Beatles movie. What's the one that they made where everybody sings Beatles songs across the universe? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, is it this that one's one? in there. It's it's in there, and it's good. I'm just I I think this is a top tier Beatles song, and I would put it way way up there, real close to the top of John Lennon's pile for being his best Beatles song and best song in general. Like what I love about John is when he's a little bluesy and he's a little rock and roll and he's a little soft, you know. And I think you get all of that in here. And man, he's awesome. I do have one question before we go, Jay. This is a question from one of our listeners out there. We haven't talked about this before. We just gave John all those kudos. George's best solo. While you think of that, I'll give, I'll put forth mine. Somebody asked, Hey, cause I, they felt like I called them out on our uh, Beatles for sale. Cause I was trying to say how great of an album it is. And it is, but he said, Hey, What's the best George uh, guitar solo? So for my money, this isn't going to be a very popular one either, and I'm okay with that. The solo that he plays on Real Love and Free as a Bird are two of the greatest slide guitar solos that is played by a British dude. He throws, I mean, he learns this slide technique kind of from Clapton, and he doesn't really do it as a Beatle, and he lays it out on those two songs, and it's like, copy that live. It's hot. So that's my rough take. I the like Threedles, Threedles like slide George on. He breaks Rocky out and slides it right. Yeah. Well, the thing that, George, I mean, he does. He plays slide in standard tuning. Although on a regular I think, guitar, right? Yeah, I think have, he. I think he does on one of those. I can't remember which one. I think he does do a drop D on the high string, maybe a double drop D, just because of the of the way you have to finger that. Or yeah. or play it with a slide. Um, those are those are freaking great solos. And because what I was as I was reading our Revolution in the Head book, evidently George was not into the anthology at all, and was really just doing it because he had some bills to pay. That's and that that's what I read to too. hear. That yeah. hurts to hear. But when they were playing and doing their music, that's, I mean, he shines in that one. So that's my, I mean, I love early George, but I, I give you that take. What do you have for me? What do you think? I, I just, when you asked the question, I automatically went to something. Yeah. I think that's, and that's a, that's a popular answer, but I don't, and, you know, there's talk that he recorded that live with the, with the orchestra, um, which makes it even more impressive. Um, yeah. And and I think you've you've sent me some videos that are on YouTube of him playing it like in the '92 concert, yeah, where he with like w- alternate solo, yeah, where he takes it even farther. And that's the cool yeah. thing about George, like he never like he never stayed put, you know. And right. and uh, so that's, but I, yeah, I have to go there. Just it's it's pretty amazing to me. I'm gonna get my second. My second would be would be the. All my loving solo. It's just yeah. so. It, it, it it's like all of his. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's it because when we play that one live, that's the guitar solo that every time it's played, people give you a reaction to it. You know what I mean? You know that it's like every time because it's so signature and it's so like Elvisy, Buddy Holly, but it's George. So yeah. Those yeah. are those are some takes for you, my young friend. <laughs> 
Jay, as always, this has been great. I um, updated our Looking Through the Glass Onion playlist. I added uh, Happiness is a Warm Gun and Why Don't We Do It on the Road from last week. So that's a good way to keep up with us. That's Billy McGuigan on Spotify. I'm also on Twitter as Billy McGuigan. Uh, Facebook is Billy McGuigan. And Instagram is Billy McGuigan. And if you're looking for Jay Hansen, <laughs> you, you ain't uh, going to find him. Yeah. You're going to you're gonna, you're gonna have to do a deep dive, all right? This guy is coming to you live from his basement. <laughs> <laughs> He's more clean shaven than I am now. We've backed, we've gone back and forth. Yeah. Well, you know. Jay, it's your choice for the next the next one. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, I'll figure okay. something out. Okay. So you, you think about it. Uh so this was happiness is a warm gun. If we miss something, please let us know. Totally. Info at BillyMcGuigan.com. Again, at BillyMcGuigan on Twitter. Find that Spotify playlist. We got some good stuff in there. Uh, Jay, I'm going to personally send you that 94 mix of this song. Cool. You'll really dig it. All right. I am Spartacus. Is that, oh, is that playing in the back? There it is. Listen to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's not a girl that misses much, Jay. Do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's well acquainted with the touch of the velvet hand like a lizard on a window pane. A soap impression of his wife. Oh, it's such a good one. Listen oh. to Happiness is a Warm Gun, friends. That's a 9-8 from me, an 8-9 from Jay. We looked at the glass onion. We peeled it back. We got good stuff. See you next time. Mm-hmm.